0: Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Terry Lynn Tursak met and married her husband, Stefan Tursak, in the year 2000. Shortly after, she gave birth to their son, Xander, who would be diagnosed with autism. Terry and Stefan, in the year 2009, were living in Asheville, North Carolina. This was a few hours from Terry's hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, and Terry had become estranged with many of her family members. Her life in Asheville was also very quiet, as no one really knew her and Stefan, at least not very well. They lived a fairly isolated lifestyle, it seemed. On June 1st, 2009, Terry called a cousin up in Garner, North Carolina and told her she was going to head up for a visit, but she never arrived. Terry has never been seen or heard from since. Where is Terry Lynn Tersak? Hello and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing person case. I want to thank everyone so much for their emails and case suggestions that have come through the last couple of weeks. If you haven't had a response from me yet, you will, I promise. I so appreciate all the suggestions. Keep them coming. You can email me at can we find at gmail.com or hit me up on social media anytime. If you have visited our merch store this month, thank you. We will be making a donation to our charity, Texas EquiSearch, hopefully in the first week of April. And if you did get one of our teas, hoodies or coffee mugs, take a pic and tag us over on Instagram. Stay tuned to the end of the episode also where I do have a little update for you on the Harmony Montgomery case. Harmony, of course, is the five-year-old, now seven-year-old, girl that went missing from Manchester, New Hampshire. Today's episode is sponsored by Davey Piper, which also happens to be my new favorite company for athletic wear. The case of Terry Lynn Tersack did come recommended to me from a listener. And this one is a confusing one. We really have two different sides. We have two sides, two sides who are very much opposed to the other. There's a lot of harsh words, a lot of social media attacks, and a ton of rumors that have swirled as everyone involved picks a side to support. It was actually one of the weirdest ones I've had to research in the way of social media attacks and websites. I mean, I've seen cases with lots of rumors and where there are a lot of emotions flying high, which of course causes some rifts within families. But this one is pretty dramatic and kind of leaves me a little conflicted. I will not be choosing a side other than choosing to stand on Terry's side. And bypass all the bickering and fighting and not knowing who to believe. And, and instead, let's take a look at what is going on here. We'll talk about the facts of the case. And of course, I will discuss what each side is saying. Originally, this case was thought to possibly be a voluntary missing person case. And if I truly believed that, I would not tell her story. But I don't believe that's what happened here. This woman is missing and the circumstances are very suspicious or at the very least troublesome. What's also interesting and worrisome is that while she was last seen or heard from in June of 2009, she wasn't officially investigated as a missing person until May of 2011. That means there was no official missing persons report documented for Terry until May of 2011, almost two years after anyone had last seen or heard from Terry. Who was Terry Lynn Tersak? Terry Lynn Pendergraft was born on April 8th, 1976. She grew up in the West Raleigh area of North Carolina. And Raleigh is North Carolina's capital city. It's a pretty big area. West Raleigh in particular encompasses all the little neighborhoods on the west side of the city. Terry attended Athens Drive High School in Raleigh. And it seems like she had a fair amount of family and relatives all in the area but she would end up leaving town with her husband, Stefan, in the year 2000 and would soon become estranged from her family, notably her father. Her mother had previously passed away, and she was said to have been very close to her mother. Terry married Stefan, who was about 20 years older than her. In 2000, together, they relocated to the Asheville, North Carolina area, but kept a pretty low profile. No one in the town really knew Terry or Stefan very well. And the circumstances regarding the estrangement from her father and her family isn't clear either. There are a lot of rumors that suggest it was because of Stefan, because he had taken her away from the area And her father just generally didn't like him. But there have been no official statements to confirm if that is true or what the reason was that Terry was estranged from her family. Shortly after Terry and Stefan were married, Terry gave birth to a young boy who she would name Xander. Xander would be diagnosed with autism. And this is another point of contention within this case. Terry's mothering skills are highly debated, depending on which side you listen to. So many people that knew Terry said that she loved kids and she was a great mother and she was absolutely devoted to Xander. In fact, Terry would take on a couple of part-time jobs that would be questionable, all in an effort to raise money and make money to support her son. However, there is another side to the story that will say that Terry is, was struggling being a mother, especially to a special needs child. During the next few years, Terry did smoke some marijuana here and there, according to her family, and she did spend some time on probation, for a 2007 marijuana-related conviction. But her husband, Stefan, says she was more into drugs than just that. But her family and friends, or at least the family that she did stay in touch with, completely deny that this was the case. Terry also worked as a stripper at a local strip club for a while to earn some money. But she had allegedly quit working there around the same time as her marijuana conviction the disappearance. On June 1st, 2009, Terry called her cousin Jamie, who lived in Garner, North Carolina. Garner is a South Raleigh suburb and is about 250 miles from the Asheville area. Despite the distance, Terry told her cousin she was going to drive up and visit her for a little while. Any other details of that conversation really are not known. For some reason, despite the fact that Terry had just bought a new SUV, Terry told her husband, Stefan, that she was going to get a ride from a friend named Jen up to Raleigh to see her family, and he was to pick her up at a specified address in Clayton, North Carolina. Clayton is about 10 miles southeast of Garner, so it's also a good couple hundred miles from the Asheville area. But Terry never showed up at her cousin's, and her cousin, Jamie, couldn't reach her. She tried to call other people in the family, but no one had heard from her. At the time, Jamie herself was only 22 years old, and she said she just didn't know what to do. Stefan was supposed to pick her up at this specific address on June 20th, and Stefan said that he went there, as instructed, to pick her up, only to find out that the address she gave him was a fake address and did not exist. What I also kind of think is interesting is, aside from the fact that Terry didn't take her own car and needed to get rides, is Stefan didn't talk to Terry for at least three weeks or from June 1st to June 20th. And yet he still drove to this address to pick her up. Normally you would think there would be a couple of conversations in between there, Terry calling to check in on Xander or calling to confirm that Stefan would be there to pick her up. Stefan was immediately suspicious and said he went straight to a storage unit that he and Terry had and he found that it had been cleaned out. And at that point, he realized that Terry had left him and Xander. Stefan said he did call police to file a report about the storage unit, but he said the police refused to take any information from him and document it. That seems suspicious, I agree, but sometimes law enforcement doesn't want to get involved in domestic issues, and I've seen that in a lot of cases. There really wasn't any evidence of a crime, at least in the eyes of law enforcement, And maybe they just thought it was an argument between a husband and wife. Of course, we have no evidence at all that law enforcement was even called. So that story could really go either way for me. Either law enforcement didn't document it and blew it off, or Stefan is completely lying. Within a few months of her disappearance, Stefan sold Terry's SUV and moved out of their home in Nashville taking Xander and moving to Austin, Texas. It was just his belief that Terry had abandoned him, so he found no reason to hang around Asheville. He did say that in addition to Terry having problems with drugs, which her family denies, she also struggled to be a mother and raise a son with autism, which is another claim that her friends and family deny. But her relationship with others was so limited, it's hard to know if her friends and family would even know the details of how Terry was really feeling at that time. Terry's cousin, Jamie, whom she was allegedly going to visit in Raleigh, begged Terry's dad to report her missing, but he refused. Terry and he, remember, were estranged and hadn't spoken in quite some time, years And he told Jamie that she was probably just hiding from bill collectors. And since Stefan believed that she had just left him, he didn't report her missing either. It wouldn't be until May of 2011... Have you heard of Davy Piper If y'all are looking for the perfect and fitting sports bras, leggings, Before undies, we get into I the have found it. And the Davey drama Piper is a women's essentials and intimates clothing Let's company and their products from are made our with premium today, super soft Piper. fabrics including bamboo and organic cotton and Davy Piper really prides themselves on what they can offer women of all ages and body types. Their fabrics are comfortable and their products are made to actually fit your body and still be supportive. I also love how fashionable all their clothing is. I know all women out there have had to sacrifice fashion at one point or another just to find something that fit. But everything at Davy Piper is super cute. So what all does Davy Piper offer? Wireless supportive bras and sports bras. They have premium undies, leggings which are my favorite clothing item in the world, pajamas, tops and tees. They even have dresses. I have spent so much time and money and energy searching for the perfect workout gear, something that is comfortable, but still stays in place when I'm running. And I'm so thrilled to have found Davy Piper. They also have the most perfect, comfortable type of clothing for lounging around. Check them out for yourselves at DavyPiper.com, and just look at all their cute stuff. That's d-a-v-y-p-i-p-e-r.com and you can save 20% on your purchase when you use our discount code w-a-t-20 w-a-t stands for where are they make it a little easier to remember that's w-a-t-20 for 20% off at davypiper.com. The search. Law enforcement finally takes a missing person report from Terry's father in May of 2011. And as they start investigating, they realize that there is a variety of versions here. Several different stories. First, Stefan claimed that he just thought she left him, but his stories to law enforcement And then some media reports were odd. He would go on and on about strange, unnecessary details about Terry, such as what she used to dye her hair, her favorite colors, and other details that were really irrelevant. Terry's family claimed that he was trying to distract everyone and he was trying to point the finger elsewhere, which he did. Terry's family set up a Facebook page and it became obvious that Stefan might be their target of suspicion. Stefan retaliates by setting up his own Facebook page for Terry. So there are two active Facebook pages set up right now for Terry's missing person case and they each kind of paint a little bit different of a story. To make things even more interesting, Stefan set up a website to call out Terry's family in their accusations and to provide a defense for himself. He gets very defensive. He does have the information about Terry and her missing person flyer posted on this site, but a lot of this website is pointing out all the discrepancies from the family's Facebook page. For instance, they have several different dates on their page which don't exactly match up which is interesting. Some do say that the last point of contact she had with anyone was June 1st, and some say June 3rd. And honestly, by the time that she was actually reported missing it had been a couple of years, I understand how they could be a few days off on some different details. But Stefan points out all those discrepancies as just another way to show that his story is right and theirs is wrong. It's really mind-spinning to read through this website, and I don't know if that is the intention of the site to bring down Terry's family and defend his side of the story, or if he's trying to use it to promote Terry's missing person flyer and awareness for Terry. I'll let you peruse the site yourself if you want. It's Terry.tersac.net, and that's Terry spelled T-E-R-R-Y dot T-E-R-S-A-K dot net. Check it out and make your own judgment. There are some interesting quotes there from law enforcement, alleged quotes. And he does point out some discrepancies, as I mentioned, that the family has said. It would probably take me two hours to dissect it all here. And since most of it is a he said, she said thing between Stefan and the family, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. And I don't want to take the focus right now off of Terry. So, of course, the search is confusing. For one, the report taken by law enforcement has her date of last contact as June 1st, 2009. This is also what is listed on her NamUs profile and her Charlie Project page. But then Stefan drops a bombshell. He says that she actually showed up at his new apartment in October of 2009 and they had a brief conversation. He said she told him that she was staying and had been living in Boone, North Carolina. I don't know how she supposedly found his new apartment, and I'm not sure if he was even still in North Carolina or if this happened in Austin, Texas. But supposedly, she did show up at his place. They only chatted for a few minutes and then she left. And the only information we learn from this is that she was maybe living in Boone, North Carolina. So, Boone, North Carolina, is about two hours north of Asheville. Both cities border the Smoky Mountains, so they are near some pretty rural areas. It's not even known who she might have been with or how she even got there or how she was supporting herself. In in addition to Boone being two hours north of Asheville, where she and Stefan had lived, Boone is also three hours to the west of Raleigh, North Carolina. Is this a case of a woman who just wanted to leave her husband and child? I do have quite a lot of questions in this case. The questions. Let's talk about what questions I have and likely a lot of you have also going back to the beginning of this story. Why was Terry's relationship with her father strained? Was it in any way related to her marrying and leaving town with Stefan? This isn't really addressed, but it might point to why there's a lot of finger pointing back and forth here. And I couldn't find anything specific to really explain why this was. Why didn't Terry take her own vehicle? I guess on the surface here, it was because we know that somebody named Jen picked her up and that's all we know this Jen has never been identified Stefan claims he doesn't know anything about her other than her name was Jen so if you believe Stefan's theories that she left with a friend with the intention of abandoning her life in Asheville maybe taking her car would have enabled her to be found which of course she didn't want Maybe it was just easier to abandon her vehicle. What do we know about Terry's history as a mother? Was she indeed struggling? Motherhood is tough, no doubt. Maybe she needed help. Maybe she was having a hard time. Or was she the opposite of what we hear from Stefan? Was she a doting and loving mother who would never leave her son? As some family members have said. I feel like we need to hear from someone who really knew Terry personally in 2009, a friend, someone who kept in regular contact with her. Someone who isn't going to immediately jump sides on the debates here. Someone who can shed some more insight as to who Terry really was leading up to her disappearance, a neutral party. Does someone like that even exist? There are some rumors that Stefan was very controlling, and that was the reason they moved so far away from home. And also why she didn't have any friends. She wasn't allowed to. What's the story with the strange non-existent address that Stefan was supposed to pick Terry up at on June 20th? Was this a normal thing for them? What does Stefan say about her not taking her own car that day and having to drive a couple of hours himself to go pick her up? This just sounds really weird to me, especially if there was no communication between them between June 1st and June 20th. But there could be a good explanation for it. We just haven't heard it yet. I'm guessing since two years went by from the time she was last seen, And when she would finally be reported missing, there isn't any evidence in the way of CCTV footage or even anyone who could confirm seeing Stefan possibly at the storage unit that day, the day that he discovered it empty. I know I wouldn't remember just seeing someone at a storage unit two years later, unless, of course, there was something odd about the encounter or that person. And unfortunately, with so much time going by, witnesses and evidence are non-existent. Let's discuss some possibilities. Number one, Terry did just run away from her life. Maybe that's why there is no evidence otherwise. And maybe Stefan is telling the truth about seeing her as late as October of 2009. But with so much time going by now, it really makes you wonder, why not show up somewhere at some point? It's been almost 13 years. Would she not have checked up on her son in all that time? Or her friends and family that she did speak to, like her cousin Jamie, the one she was supposed to be meeting in June of 2009? It's been done before. People have run away from their lives. Or another possibility, Terry ran into foul play. Stefan's actions here are bizarre, to say the least. The website he set up, Terry.tersac.net, goes into such detail to point out how much Terry's family and friends are wrong when they point the finger at him. He says there is a cover-up going on. So does he think that they are guilty of something or merely just deflecting attention on him? Does he think that they are hiding Terry from him? Which, if that's the case, why are they out looking for Terry also? North Carolina has a lot of rural areas. If something did happen to Terry, her body could be hidden anywhere. Terry was also involved in some minor marijuana use and temporarily had a job as a stripper, although she supposedly hadn't worked as a stripper in over a year. Had she met some unsavory characters during her time there? Stefan also claims that Terry's drug use was much worse than just a little marijuana use here and there, and that she'd actually been talking about going into a rehab facility although her family doesn't believe that at all. Another thing that I do want to mention, and it's actually been kind of difficult even reporting her story here, is that Stefan's name sometimes is listed as Stefan, and other sources identify him as Stephen. Some people claim that he uses both names interchangeably. Since the official report has him as Stefan... That's what I've referred to him here, S-T-E-F-A-N. But you may also see him referred to as Stephen. So here we have a missing 33-year-old mother in 2009 who no one reports missing for two years. And then when she finally is, there's a massive battle between the husband and the family. There are some weird occurrences that happen in Stefan's story, the friend Jen that no one really knows, the leaving behind of the new car, the storage unit, leaving town, the encounter with Terry a few months after in October. And while it does appear that Terry may have had some questionable habits in the past, notably her stripping job, it seems that that was well in the past for her. So, what do you think happened to Terry Lynn Tursak? Terry is described as a five foot tall Caucasian woman who weighed around 90 to 100 pounds when she was last seen. In June of 2009, she was 33 years old. She would today be 45. Terry has brown hair and blue eyes. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Terry Lynn Tersak, please contact the Asheville Police Department at 828-259-5945. Thank you so much for listening to Terry's story. Someone likely knows something here, and all of these stories, in my opinion, don't add up. I do have a quick update on the Harmony Montgomery case, the missing child out of Manchester, New Hampshire. I've done a few episodes on her case, and to be honest, I was really hoping for more information by now or even that we would have found Harmony. I'm working on another update episode. I really do want to keep her case out there. The media, of course, was pretty gangbusters at first, but has since been fizzling out since there really hasn't been any new information. So as a reminder, Adam Montgomery, Harmony's father, is currently in jail, being charged with assault and battery and some other charges. Although we still don't know where Harmony is. When Adam was arrested, he had been living in his car with his new girlfriend or girlfriend at the time, Kelsey Smalls. Kelsey, who was 27 years old, was found dead in her hotel room. She was actually found on March 13th, but authorities just released the news last week. They don't believe foul play was involved. Adam and his ex, Kayla Montgomery, were officially indicted this week on charges related to Harmony, Adam for assault and Kayla for theft and fraud, since she continued to collect assistance for Harmony for two years, even though she wasn't living with them. I think we all knew the official indictment was coming, so I'm just glad to see that it officially has happened. I just really wish one of these two would give up the truth about where Little Harmony is. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and following us over on social. As soon as I have an update episode, I will have that information posted for you. Thank you so, so much for listening to Terry Lynn Tersack's story today. Something is not adding up here and there are a lot of people wanting answers. If you are interested in bonus episodes and extra content and want to support our channel and our charity partners, please consider joining our detective group over at Patreon. You can find more information at patreon.com slash are they podcast. A huge thank you to those supporting us already. Once we hit our goal number of subscribers, I'd like to start live chats over there once a week so we can have more in-depth conversations about these cases. We will be back again next week with another unsolved missing person case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.